The Koi Gig Pod has made a new signing. Your goalkeeping coach is your god. Emma Byrne is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? Okay. But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is a refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. Let it fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, Do you know what? Oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. It is an interesting... Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Now then, it's a slight tangent. We're very happy to be here. We're coming at you once again. Joe Malloy here. We have Arthur O'Dee to my left, Michael McCarthy to my left as well. Will O'Callaghan in the uh, guest chair this evening. William, hello. How are you, lads? David yeah, position. Very well. Very well. A slight tangent at offtheball.com. Very excitingly, emails are coming in. So uh, that is good news. We're, this is the slot, if you're new to it, where we just uh, chew the fat about the week that's been. It's kind of like a production meeting, we like to say without the libel or the cursing and with fewer arguments. Do you think so? Not sure about the last part. Yeah, well, right. Don't argue much in the production meeting, I no. suppose. No, again, again, like as the sting says, we kind of just like keep it all inside and just <laughs> learn to hate each other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kev, by the way, so we have a few things that we, we plan to touch on, but as ever, we're very live here. 53106, this is where um, team <laughs> off the ball. Look, we don't like our topics, lads. Just send us in stuff. We'll talk about any old shite. Is team off the ball PM are just uh, reflecting on the week that's been. That's kind of the deal here. Given that we were just talking to Colin Begley about the, uh, now I realise much underappreciated Zach Tui, by the way, 250 appearances in the AFL. Do you like, li- do you lads like AFL? Uh, wonders Kev. I don't, if I'm being honest. Especially, I've never, I've never watched it and thought I must watch more of that. I think my interest is largely driven by watching the Irish players who are in the AFL and that's been the case probably even back as far as Ty Kennelly. If they weren't around I probably wouldn't sit down and naturally watch it if it was the only thing on but because I kind of got into a point where you would watch out for some players that you know and particularly in Zach's case where he was you know, recruited as international rookie at 18, it was a bit of an unusual story when, when he went across. He never played senior for his county, went directly to play AFL. His story became particularly interesting and I found myself watching a lot of Carlton and Carlton being very frustrating when Tui was there. And then watching a bit of Geelong when they've been good for the last five seasons. Some of the other Irish players like, you know, Pierce Hanley and those type of players have been going well. And as a result, 10 or 11 o'clock on a Friday, I tend to put it on. But do you like the, the game? See, I don't know, not necessarily, but it can be really exciting if a game is in the balance going into the final um, quarter. I don't accept that argument. So it's can true two, of a lot of sports. So can two raindrops. Yeah. <laughs> like, a, a close encounter is not how you judge a game. I don't think. I like the yeah, idea but, of it. Sorry. I like the idea of it. So <laughs> <laughs> like the, <laughs> a lot of sport is yeah, like that, though, isn't of, it? I, like, I find I, that I like with a lot of sport. Anytime it's on, I think, oh, and then within a minute I'm gone. Uh, yeah. 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 I tell you, there's far too many blowouts, though. The, the idea that you can say that about any sport that a close game is good. It is true to a certain extent. I like I said it in the news that I, I find blowouts just unbearable in AFL and there's so much of them. I don't know, I still find to this day if I'm flicking around on a Saturday morning, find the kids, you know, they, they might be playing instead of trying to watch T V for a change and I'm like, Oh, live sport and I might get into it again and if if it if it hooks me, it hooks me. I did watch a good bit of it. I was in 
Melbourne and, and, and watched it that year. And it was right around the time, it was the year after Ty Canelli yeah. won. And there was a brilliant rivalry at the time between Sydney and West Coast Eagles, Perth team, right? And, you know, it was weird actually even for it to be two non-Melbourne teams that were dominating the game because obviously the, the Melbourne and Victoria dominates in general. But it was, so it was West Coast and Sydney. They played each other six times in two years. Maybe three years, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm, I, I remember the important part of the stat, which was the aggregate score in those games, including two grand finals, of which they won one each, mm-hmm. was two points. Okay. Every single game between them was like an instant classic. And honestly, when it did come down to it, it was fantastic. It was very, very enjoyable. I like Sydney because of Ty Canelli and would watch these games and got to know players like Barry Hall, who people will remember from the international rules, but he was a great player for Sydney. Um, was it Gavin? No, Gavin Coombs plays for uh, Munster. Um, it's, uh, I, I haven't got it at the top of my head. Too many forgotten. players. Do you oh, realise that every time you mention what sport you watch, to me, now hmm. starts with, I was minding the kids. Oh yeah, no, that's that's that's, that's the only reason I it's the only ability to watch sport at the moment. Yeah, uh, there's um, or, or I can't watch sport because I can't put them to bed in time, like when a, an NFL on Sundays. A mail in from Colm Kieran. He heard me last night mention a slight tangent coming up today, and so he got in touch. He said, and again, this is a perfect uh, email for this slot because it, this would never get it read out anywhere else. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't know if that's a very that's endorsement. That sounds damning. Uh, just finished a book called "The Obstacle Is the Way." by Ryan Holiday. Anyone? No. No. Its uh, main theme is of the practice of Stoicism as an operating system. Having read it, I'm convinced that the dubs have been studying and practicing it. I thought of Cluxton and Jim Gavin so many times during it. There are so many NFL teams referenced in it and how they have applied it. Might be an interesting thing to research for off the book. Um, well, it was interesting. So, uh, doing a touch of digging, Jim Gavin was talking uh, to Ryan Tuberty about uh, Stoicism. So, you're probably right here, Colin. What Jim Gavin said, and look, Stoicism is a broad church, uh, but he said his uh, sense of Stoicism is that it's all about controlling the things you can control. The Stoics say it's not things that make us angry, it's our judgment of things. So, you learn to focus only on useful emotions and let others go. So there you go. Jim Gavin, definitely a, a stoicism man, I would think. Uh, what books or sports or what uh, what <laughs> sports books, what sports <laughs> books or philosophical books do sports people uh, quote the most? I feel that ma- man in the arena gets is, uh, that's something about that. Essentially, that sportsman thing is like, you can't talk about me. You've not been there. You don't know what it's like. Is it from Roosevelt? Is it from something? How does nobody know? know? Oh, no, nah, come on. I don't know what you're Is that about. the one that's incorrectly, I think, attributed to Roosevelt? Well, I, I, I don't yeah. know who, I don't, it just gets constantly used, man in the arena. I don't know the ins and outs of it. So what's the point? If you haven't done it, you That's essentially it. Yeah. Like, it's about, you know, that oh, this okay. is all the valour for the... Is that a book? No, I think it's like a poem or something. No, it's a quote. That oh, you is that sort of like things. Benjamin Franklin, fail to prepare, prepare to fail kind of thing? Yeah, Theodore Roosevelt, it's, it's quite long. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, Matt. Rory McIlroy was big on the subtle art of not giving a... F. What's that? Mm. Is that a book? You know, that's like, no. Oh, well, that, that's been like the, the best-selling self-help book of the last 18 months, two years. It's not bad, as these things go. I've never read a self-help book, I have no, to say. Have no. you not? No. The one that jumps to mind, and I'm not even sure if it's self-help, I can't remember what it is, but I remember you did an interview with the, with the author, um, was The Inner Game of Tennis. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? It yeah. was Galway, wasn't that your man's name? I have it. Um, Timothy, yeah, Timothy Galway. Timothy Galway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His deal was like, 
get me a complete beginner and if I can just get them to forget all their conscious thoughts, I'll have them playing good tennis with me in two minutes. Mm. But they extended into other sports then as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think he wrote one about baseball potentially. Yeah. Or golf. He wrote one about golf as well. Uh, but it's and all the same psychology. I think so. And so he said that he had uh, proved this on countless occasions with countless tennis beginners and they would just get into a rhythm. Not possible in golf, by the way, but I never read that one. So was his idea, Joe, that you can't untrain what people might already be doing badly? That you're better off to get a clean sheet as opposed to someone where you'd have to fix Maybe, their swing? Yeah. Or I, I think he took total beginners, so he didn't even have to discard of bad habits. Mm. It was almost just like that inner potential is there. Your body knows what to do if you can just get out of the way and let your body do it. I often wonder these things like, you know, it's a hard one to, be, to speak down, especially in certain sports, say like boxing. And they're the kind of, I suppose it's philosophical in a sense, but their reliance or outward projections of religious faith as a means of kind of almost getting through it. I often wonder about, I don't know the things, I don't know what way it is, but you, you kind of, I feel like there's there has to be a trade-off. It's like, well, if I'm willing to do such and such, say to the, to the extremes, to the nth degree, if you're doing something like boxing, where it is on the surface of it so preposterous that you need to have something pulling in the op opposite direction beyond, say, just money or wealth or whatever else that makes it bearable and kind of seen sensible. Well, I think um, definitely a deep faith is a massive advantage. We were going to do a piece on this. This came up recently. And we were trying to get Jonathan Edwards. Okay. Because he lost his faith, I think. After, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, he, he was the world's best triple jump. It was an unsuccessful opponent. bid. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> triple jumper. Hit break jumper, <laughs> jump champion, <laughs> proponent of the triple jump. <laughs> uh, oh, I think like that's almost the ultimate advantage, I think. Who had that this year? It came up for some reason. It was Scotty Scheffler at the Masters. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scotty spent four days walking around Augusta and over every shot, he basically was able to say to himself, well, it's out of my hands. It's God's plan. There's no pressure on me. Nothing I can do. And uh, I've got to think that's one of the great assets. I would think when Katie Taylor fights with religion on her side and the comfort it gives you, that must be a lovely thing. It's an interesting idea of kind of in a way, abdicating the responsibility for your own performance yeah. by saying that you're a part of something that's a lot bigger that you can't control. Yeah, that, well, that was Scheffler's, that was the, the lovely balm that was covering his, his four rounds, which is... His, which I is mean, the opposite of what some athletes would think their philosophy would be, which would be that you are the ultimate arbiter of your own fate. Jim Gavin, control the controllables. Yeah. I mean, there's something... I don't know how you guys feel about this, but there's not some kind of strange about the idea that you can almost... Um, Say that it's about God's plan as opposed to what you can change yourself. It's like you're you're taking away your glory. To an extent, but that is that is the humility that's needed for, uh, you know, possibly. But I don't know. I, I feel like that. I I'm surprised that it would lead to high performance. Because it's it ultimately is like you know oh look, you know it's up to God. If I didn't win, it's not really. Oh, they don't think that way though, isn't it? It's, it's not that they don't think that way, but I, I'm just surprised that ultimately that isn't that last edge of like this is this is down to me. I'm the only one who can step up to this level. Maybe humanity can only take so much. I think it just takes the pressure off. Yeah. Mm. There's yeah. only so much you can burden yourself with. Yeah. Because what if you do fail and you are just holding yourself responsible? Mm. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what now? Yeah. When did you think Scott, did you think Scotty Scheffler was uh, going around all that way until he got onto the 18th and he nearly four-putted from a yard and a half or from 10 feet? 
Why have you forsaken? <laughs> I know, but it was like, can you imagine? Also, this thing is like, if look, I'm not, I'm not religious, right? But if I was, I think I would value that relationship too much to uh, the relationship with God, obviously. Yeah. To then to like you know risk it severing because he didn't pick me to win a sporting event. I think more their attitude is, well, it wasn't in God's plan for me. Yeah. Therefore, I I need not mourn this, and yeah, okay. There's a bigger picture here. I've total faith in I definitely I definitely do take your picture. comfort point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to that without a doubt. I just wonder how it it is hard to put yourself in the shoes of when of someone with faith though as well, I think, in, in trying to understand how that mentality would work when you don't yeah. possess it yourself. Really. I do remember as a kid even thinking, Well, like, how can God favour me over my opponent? Mm-hmm. But you're deep. Well, it's you're not that right there. not that profound a thought, is it? It's possible well, to be remarkably cynical about it, though. The idea that everyone who wins the Super Bowl, God was on their side when they're making their speech afterwards. And thinking, Oscar winner. Yeah, and you're like, the guy over there was probably praying just as hard as you. No. How does he decide? Mm. Uh, you were chatting Matthew Raynal, Australia, New Zealand, his uh, bad decision last night in Monday at Rugby. Uh, some, this is a good question. What is the worst refereeing decision in history? Now, we are, I think we exclude Italian match fixing and all that kind of stuff. You know, not, like, uh, not willful uh, bad decision but actually the worst on rehand ball it's up there it has to be yeah i mean he handled the ball twice <laughs> i'd argue he didn't make a decision though well that is a bad decision though his decision is to yeah I, I know what you mean he didn't see it well let, let, let's let's take the semantics out of it and just say that it's like <laughs> <laughs> the, we call a refereeing decision a refereeing call moment yeah the officials yeah. not seeing it and the non-decision was the mistake you get bonus points for like what made the Reynal one so glaring is that it decided the match. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh my God, that was a shocking decision in the was second it? minute and had no bearing on it. Was things. it a bad decision? Well, sorry, maybe it wasn't. But a let's controversial assume for a second. Except like, the like Keith Wood said it was, Rory O'Connor said it wasn't. You yeah. know? Uh, well, th- this texture is saying, what's the worst refereeing decision in history? Yeah, so he probably thinks. Maybe he's just using it as a. Yeah, no. I'm going to annoy Mick. It was Jimmy Cooney walking off the pitch in 1998 in an all Ireland I think that that feels harsh. Now. See, that doesn't annoy me because it 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 your past backs up the fact that Clare would have won the All Ireland <laughs> if it didn't happen. Right, but it was potentially an All Ireland deciding moment where Clare had the wind in their sails. They were about to win an All Ireland semi final. I'm yeah. I'm mature enough to admit that right now. The ramifications were obviously easy to say that great, with Liam McCarthy. But I don't know. A terrible decision. The feels scale harsh. of the mistake as well. No, the scale was huge. The ramifications yeah. were huge. But I, it's just a mistake. So again, if we're getting caught up in decisions, I see what you mean. There's almost two levels. There's the what was the massive ramification of the mistake? Because yeah. they're all mistakes, bad calls, whatever. And then maybe in the Reynald situation, it's like he made a decision here to you know, put his foot down. And let's face it, I think there's a huge conversation that we could have about the epidemic of time wasting in sport and how I would love, I would love governing. I feel it can be wiped out. I can feel it can be wiped out in a season mm. in football, for example, if they just tried to and they don't, right? They don't care. You want punishments the, or stop clocks? The here? end of games, I stop clock, whatever it is, referee just deciding this is not on, yellow cards plus you're getting absolutely nothing for this, I'm adding on double the time for every minute you waste. There's loads of ways they could do it, right? But I don't mind it in football, I think it adds to the theatre when it's yeah. like 1-0 and their goalkeeper has gone down with cramp and the crowd are going below. I see what you mean, and look, I support the team whose goalkeeper is the uh, chief proponent in world sport at time wasting. He is actually, even as a fan, it's a pain in the arse to watch Emmy Martinez sometimes when they're <laughs> winning, right? But uh, it's ultimate shithousery. I, I see the, the benefit of it, but I, ultimately, do you not think it just, ta- it just, 
it makes a different sport out of the last five, ten like, minutes of games. I think the real scourge of, of any of the sports I watch routinely is in rugby where scrum resets take forever yeah. and every break in play takes forever. And like the South Africans, I would say pretty much ruined a Lions tour with that carry on. <laughs> Walking to line outs at like a mile an hour just to slow it all down because of their bigger players and their lack of fitness. That just ruined the spectacle. Completely ruined it. That'd be the one where I'd say if I wanted a sport, if, I, if there was a sport I wanted time-wasting address the most, it would be rugby. I don't yeah. feel like I see it a lot in the Premier League, but then so, uh, someone was complained no, about no, it recently. A lot if you remember the Newcastle-Liverpool game a few weeks Jesse, Jesse Marsh complained about it recently. Yeah, like we're, you're seeing increasingly Premier League games which are now going closer to 100 minutes. The referees are clearly trying to clamp down by adding time on. But how often in those added minutes is there meaningful play actually within mm. that period of time Is that the well? AR as well has to be adding to it somewhat yeah because some of the VR decisions are taking a long time I'm like sick of it not just being a standard three minutes like this seven eight minutes business <laughs> yeah do you ever watch old games you're blown away by the injury time like I mean the game is just, you know you just watch you're watching it and not really paying much attention and it gets to the end of the game and you're expecting another six seven minutes and then it's one like there's, sometimes there's no injury time it's just like <laughs> it's right? like what's going on here or there's one minute and there's like being guys sent off and 50 subs and injuries all over the place and it's just yeah just ah better minute have we no contender for a refereeing decision? There's a text or two in. Oh, I sorry. Think, yeah. Schumacher not getting sent off for tackle on Patrick Badistan? Yeah. Or oh, that, that'd age. be the oh, one, wouldn't it? There is a good one here, though. That'd be the one. Joe Sheridan's try in the Leinster final <laughs> is the worst GA decision yeah, I was, ever. <laughs> I was thinking of Sheridan. Was Martin Sludden, I think, was the, the referee Maradona there. The Maradona one's up there. The hand of God? Yeah. Uh, but it, from our angle. But if you were the referee from behind, that must have looked like such a header. Maybe the linesman. Maybe the linesman. No, like the Henri one, the linesman should have seen. Yeah. Although the linesman, to be fair, in the Henri one, was on the wrong side of all the bodies. I think Michelle might have been in his way, but yeah. So I kind of give them a bit of a pass on that one. I'm trying to think of ones that were worse. You'd Joe, Joe Sheridan has to be up there, yeah. You'd love to have been able to, you know, just to, by some kind of magic, be in the referee's head for the Maradona hand of God just to see what it looked like. If... If you were a referee, be honest about this, because I often think it's like, I remember one time like playing curling, like really, really young, underage. And like, it was one of those things where the ball kind of got stuck under me and I was surrounded by about five or six players. And I knew, I kind of had a look and I knew the referee wasn't anywhere close. So I just picked the ball up. Yeah. And everybody went, ah, 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 and, and he gave it to free. And I went, there's no way you saw that. <laughs> you know, this is the, this is the idiocy of a 10 year old who thinks he's smart, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, I was like, that's always so. If you're the referee, for that game, quarterfinal in 1986, and Maradona goes in, you think, Jesus, great header. Yeah. Goal, point to the game. Every England player run at you at 100 miles an hour. Or, do you know, it's an even more glaring example in Paris. The Irish players rent out the referee. That. I would think, like, mm. hold on a second. Yeah. You know, now obviously VAR takes all this stuff out of the, out of the equation now, no, but, but the, surely you know by the reaction of seven people at the exact that. same time. There was something, something so instinctive about all the Irish players with their hands yeah. up mm. that it must have. Was, was it like, uh, was it like Given was running out holding his hand out at the referee like this, yeah. you know? I was at that game actually. Oh, yeah. I was there with my brother and I was right, I was looking right down on it. And. Um, Do you miss it? No, I saw it so perfectly. Oh, did you? Because hardly anyone at the stadium knew. Oh, it's such a great view looking down to the point where like my brother went, oh, no. And I said, don't worry, it's handball. (laughs) I was like looking at all these French people around us celebrating. And then it dawned on me it wasn't going to happen. And um, I was like, I was almost bemused. I wasn't like upset. But I remember saying, you're you're going to think I'm being biased or something. You're not going to believe this when you see this handball. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you think that the Thierry Henry villainization was like I mean obviously for just handling the ball and creating a goal and sending your team to the World Cup it was ridiculous but do you think it was over the top yeah. or do you think it was because he was sitting there with Richard Dunn after the match and in a kind of a shit happens I feel sorry for you Richard when yeah. you're the villain here buddy the Richard Dunn thing copper fastened it for me I, 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 it was hard to come back from that from Henry and Henry you can't remains have one of my favourite ever footballers you can't have it both ways you can't be the it was guy. never the same after no. that you can't be the good guy consoling yeah. Richard when you're the guy who handballed. I think like, I would have left it behind if it wasn't for that moment. I really do. So do like I. In a way, he was a lot less sneaky than Maradona because obviously Maradona fainted that he'd headed the ball after he had pushed it with his hand, which is probably what fooled the officials. I think they thought the follow-through movement that he made probably tricked them. Oh, yeah. Well, in Henri's case, the ball rolled up on his arm and he just continued on and played the but ball across it was, the Sorry, it rolled in his arm. That was the bit that was mm. like, whatever, you could miss that. And it was the second bit where he slapped oh, yeah. it. Stiff arm hand pass, it. Like a hurling hand pass. Like, if Anelka had done it and then Henri was sitting beside Richard Dunn, yes, I would have said, that's no problem. But you can't be that Snakey, yeah, and do both. <laughs> yeah, Arthur. Well, I can't believe we're relitigating this. Why not? <laughs> but did we go over the top? Is the question as a nation? Has to be Team Thirty Three. No, we definitely did. There has to be a. There has to be some sort of blowback if you do that. But I don't blame Henri for doing it either. Did we protest outside FAI headquarters or something? Who's <laughs> we? The, the, yeah. the, the FAI Irish is the, as the collective. <laughs> we went to protest it pretty quickly and ended up getting about five million quid in the end. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a protest. There's a lot of pride in Merrick Square, I think yeah. so. You're a man going in for the fan as well. That was gas that five million quid was announced on the Ray Darcy show one day. And just very much a, after the fact when it already just hit in a, the defense. You mightn't be a million miles away, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great days. Yeah, uh, gas is going to be Team 33 is parody stuff, really. But yeah. ultimately getting five million quid might have been a bit of cutorism, which was badly needed. In the badly end. needed, it turned out. Uh, worst refereeing decision of all time has to be final day of the F1 season. When Hamilton was robbed, <laughs> I'm not even an F1 fan, but it had me sick to my stomach. Says somebody, Lampard's disallowed goal against Germany 2010 World nah, Cup. That was bad. One was it? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> Sorry, yeah, it has to be decisive. Yeah. Uh, it has to be 66 World Cup. It was never over the line. Says Stephen Limerick. <laughs> a lot of people seem to be worried about whether balls are over the line or not. Like that, I suppose that is ultimately a very yes or no. I think a, a, bad, a bad decision has to be like uh, an easy decision to get right whereas 66 they're still debating yeah I mean I've seen that in cartoon form with like in virtual reality form more than I've seen it in real life I have an interesting email on supporting this Irish team and Cahill Dennehy wrote an interesting piece in the Sunday Independent about uh, doping I think I need to take a break before both those topics don't I <laughs> or will be way Go over time it. okay uh, very short break somebody says why are the World Rowing Championships not televised Chris wondering that I don't know RT the rights for the European Games through their agreement with all the different European championships they were showing I'm guessing they just don't have rights for the world we need more live sport on TV though and not as much concern about how many people are watching them surely there is at this stage a public service in showing uh, two of our Olympic medal winning crews including gold medalists who's also uh, they're also crewed and are also world and European champions I feel like that is yeah borderline straightforward no, for a public broadcaster but I don't there's a fair proportion of people out there who think there's far too much sport on the public broadcaster and too much money is spent on it yeah, and there's they, not enough arts and there's not wrong. enough drama <laughs> well, I, I, mean, <laughs> I figured they're not listening to us this audience would disagree with that yeah, yeah. Uh, time wasting is a scourge even worse people going mad at any time being added on for wasted time in added time well can I just go back to that for one second Joe because I think it's important right because <laughs> We don't need the Champions League on RT. We do. 
We don't. There's we do. no reason we for do. that to be shown on RT. And do you know what goes with it is we get the we get the, we got RT shown the Champions League on a Tuesday night or whatever, and because of that we have to sit through things like, you know, super cups and Rangers and qualifying games on at the They're same like time. Two as, nights as a year. The there's more than that. Of course, there isn't two nights. Not, a year. The alternative not make though that you end up potentially there's with two those, legs in the first start. Those Tuesday those. games could go behind a paywall. Would you not prefer to have mm. the Champions League on free there? Champions League is the best sporting competition I'd say in the year. I would put that thing. There's nothing that in beats the it. Group stages. And don't we have to accept that like a huge proportion of Irish people support an English team often in the Champions League? I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I'm not saying like oh they should be showing. Barcelona versus Bayern because you know Liverpool are only playing Trabzonspor or something. I'm not, I'm not even making that argument. I'm just saying that if there's only a certain amount of money there, or if there's only yeah. a certain amount of uh, thing, I'm not saying show every bloody sporting event. But we don't. It's, it's like we're sacrificing. There is there's a mixture between the public service, what should be out there because of celebrating achievement or, and and showing. You know, promoting rowing because of how well Irish people are doing. Is it really not though? Football doesn't need Irish um, you know, public service help. Whether rightly or wrongly. Uh, sorry, international club football doesn't, but Irish football does. The interest levels <laughs> tend to ramp up in the Olympic cycle and in an Olympic year. So there'll probably be more interest in watching the rowing next year than this year. Yes, of course. And it's not the greatest TV sport in the world and so on. But it's also not the most expensive sport to show or to, you know, there's going to be an international feed for it. You can but do is, commentary. George is, Hamilton did his commentary. Is, is their job to promote, you said promote rowing, or is it to serve people who want to watch Champions League? I can't believe you want rid of the Champions League. I don't want rid of it. I'm but saying, if Joe's saying there's too it? many people, live score for free. Well, what if they don't want to sign up to a, that app? Like, that has some connotations to it. Do you want to make it official and have a RTE discussion in every slight tangent, or will we just... Thin. A text no, no, about no. rowing. I'm I think I'm entitled to an opinion on it. I know, sorry, now, come on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. So what, what are you cutting? I'm not cutting anything. I'm, I'm all for sport. I want the Champions League on all absolutely right. as well. But, but you're saying there isn't enough arts or whatever. Um, I know. I didn't. I said. You know, I've, I've heard the argument. You know that there isn't enough drama. There's arts, not enough. There's I don't know. Sport. There's not enough repeats of the practice or whatever it is that <laughs> people want instead. You know, um, not landing must be due, and they'll uh, go over again. Like, but uh, if or what I'm saying to you is, if you have to pick and choose sport because people are saying, hold on, there's too much sport. Mm. Then you'd pick rowing over Champions League. No, I just think that people can watch the Champions League anywhere, whereas, like, I think... Well, can't the, can I just say the Champions League, lads? The Champions League has been seriously affected by going off free-to-air TV in the UK. Like, everyone used to watch the Champions League on ITV when it was on. BT Sport have had horrific figures over the last few years. Have they? Yeah, like, because it's gone behind a paywall, maybe because of some of the lack of interest because of the fact the group stages aren't that tasty anyway. I think the Champions League has been heavily affected in the UK by the fact that the it's gone behind a paywall. I have no interest in the Champions League until January, until whatever comes back for the knockouts. And then it is fantastic. Then it is as good a tournament as the rest yeah. of the world. Like, it'd be dreadful if Champions League knockout stages weren't on free dare TV here. Fine, yeah. Well, Virgin have them as well, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and they had them all, and that was fine. But again, RT weren't showing the Rowan Championships when they didn't have any, the Champions League. Well, I suppose they did still have one day. I'd, okay, I've, I've got that one wrong. I apologise. <laughs> I don't know, no, no. I think you're, you're right in... in, in the broader point, but maybe on Champions League. Just lay off Champions League. Okay, okay. It was the first thing that came to mind. Pick on the club championship. URC, gone. URC. <laughs> Let's take a break. Arthur agrees with that one. And uh, yeah, no yeah. doubt. Back in one second. You're welcome back. Joe here, Mick here, Arthur here, Will here. It's a slight tangent where we're talking about whatever, really. Uh, something from the 
paper review I wanted to throw your way. It was a very interesting piece uh, called Dennehy wrote it and I chatted about it with Dion Fanning and Bernard Jackman but I thought I would fire it at you boys as well. So Carl Denny's talking about the fact in effect that when it comes to doping cycling and athletics are tarnished beyond belief and certain sports are like Teflon. So he opens and he says for instance and I think it's because of the calibre of people he's mentioning here that uh, makes you stop in your tracks. When you see Pep Guardiola do you ever think about his positive test for Nandrolone, which once saw him handed a seven-month suspended prison sentence, later overturned on appeal? When you see Antonio Conte, do you ever think about his time at Juventus, where the club doctor got a suspended prison sentence, also overturned on appeal, for providing performance-enhancing drugs to players? Do you think of the words of Giuseppe Dionfrio, renowned haematologist, who said in court, it was practically certain that Conte used EPO when you see Tiger Woods... Do you think about his relationship with Dr. Anthony Gallia, who pled guilty to trafficking unapproved drugs like human growth hormone into the US? What about rugby, where currently there are 46 athletes uh, banned by UCAD across 12 different sports? And of those 46 uh, athletes uh, banned, 27 of them are rugby players. Tyson Fury, do you see him as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time? Or as a doper who served a two-year ban for Nandrolone? If it's not the latter, it's worth asking why. The answer is that in most sports, drug talk remains off the table with doping, a toxic trade combined to athletics and cycling. You know, the dirty sports. And he says, this isn't what a bettery. This is a comparison. And he paints through the ways athletics and cycling are much discussed when it comes to uh, drugs. And he goes on to even mention last year, um, Dr. Fuentes, who's part of the whole Operation Puerto a scandal. He gave a rare interview on Spanish TV last year. He was asked, did you advise the doctors at Valencia? No, he said. Did you advise the Real Madrid doctors? He paused and said, I'm not going to answer that question. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if soccer cared a jot about doping, Fuentes' interview would have made global headlines last March. It didn't even cause a ripple, says uh, Call. And he finishes up by saying that in effect he wonders if the other sports want to catch the uh, cheaters. So pretty interesting. I mean, you ask anyone, stop them in the street and say, what are the doping sports? They say cycling and athletics. Um, so I thought it was, um, I thought I'd had, I have to say, but it was a good piece. Anyone want to jump in? Uh, can't be logically true, I would say, is the is the thing that, you know, uh, that jumps out at me and that like, you know, this idea that cycling, athletics and maybe swimming are riddled and everything else is clean as a whistle and there's the odd bad actor that gets caught and we know about it but uh, I do think there's a there's a willful blindness but at the same time yeah look the for me what jumps out at what he's saying is not that I think that football rugby or the team sports that we say maybe that we don't focus on a lot are like riddled with drugs or anything like that it's more that we do have a certain different attitude towards some of the people named in that. They're not exactly like persona non grata, no. not necessarily even. So maybe in cycling and athletics, our criticism of them sometimes is that these people are welcome back. But in this case, it's like there's no criticism of, of Pep or Conte, whoever, being welcome back because the media never even disowned them in the first place. Mm. So, they're, they're, you know, there's, oh, when it's cycling, it's like, you know, this cabal and these people are, you know, in it together and they don't care about, you know, and they're all, you know, they're all part of the problem because they're not calling out these guys. 
But in football, nobody does. Mm. And that's just football as an example. So that, that's what jumps out to me. It's like, it's, it's a really fair point. It's one I wonder how much the world wants to get into at the moment. Mm. You know, I don't know if... Uh, I think a lot of supporters uh, are willingly want to accept the fact that doping began and ended with Lance Armstrong and the Russian Olympic team. And they were you know, at the height of doping and therefore I'll be sceptical about cycling, I'll be sceptical about athletics forevermore. And if somebody misses a test in an individual sport or particularly in those two sports, there's almost like an automatic assumption of guilt. While in other sports, there seems to be this belief that you're more willing to tolerate it or perhaps ignore it to a certain extent. I mean, you think about particularly in those individual sports, like because of the way that um, anti-doping controls have been put in place. And then you realize, say you watch something like, I don't say you watch Icarus and you realize that at the top end of athletics, you've got people who are doping are getting doctors to help them at the very, very highest level. Mm-hmm. We would be naive to think that other sports who've got huge financial sums of money, even above those sports, would not be looking to get some kind of advantage along the way. Particularly we're in team sports, you are tested and naturally a lot less than individual I'm always surprised with, say it's going on at a like systematic level. And I, 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 I'm amazed that say it, say it was systematic in the Premier League. I'm kind of amazed there's no whistleblower. A lot yeah. of disaffected people in team sports who didn't get the contracts they thought they deserved and might want to touch a revenge or ethically might think in hindsight now that they're in their 30s or 40s, my God, it's crazy what went on. I'm just amazed there hasn't been one if it was happen- going on. We know what happens, whistleblowers though. Yeah, but there still are whistleblowers. Exists, yeah, and there's a lot more people in team sports. So you added like not even just disaffected people, but just by sheer numbers. The physio who's had a change of heart thinking about it on reflection. Any any number of people are ended. You I know? mean, yeah, to a degree. But I mean, there's a lot of people around those pelotons and cycling teams in the eighties as well, and before then, sixties, seventies. Like there's a lot, of, and a lot of people who would have been. Geez, the hierarchy and those things are so harsh that you're like, if you're anywhere near the bottom of it. I You're don't, so easily I, disposed. I, I don't. Well, that's the point, though. I don't expect them to come out at the time, but it's that person you mentioned. Maybe he's disposed. Yeah. Twenty years later, like the, the that peloton group are all talking very openly. Now, that's not. I'm not naive to football. And to be fair, no one from that Real Madrid team is coming out to talk about Fuentes yeah. in any great <coughs> depth, for instance. I, it's a Fuentes funny. evidence um, being disposed of, and yeah, well, that, I mean, that story went away. Yeah, that was scandal. one of the ones that really stands out. There was yeah. this idea that Fuentes could well have blowing the whistle on everything yeah. and the next thing the evidence is put into a disposal bin in Madrid. I don't know what you guys think because I, I made the point in the paper review and I don't know what the two lads thought but um, it's sort of like if you take oh there was these Germans and whatever was going on um, but if you take the dirtiest race that 100 metre sprint in 88 and it was you know it, it blew it all open for even the most naive sports fan and then like not long later there's the chase of Lance Armstrong and again, this was this, you know, incredibly gripping, dramatic thing. And, and then he's banged to rights guilty and the tour is exposed as, as guilty as ever. I don't know, the last decade's been interesting. I think unlike, say, 40, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I don't think anybody watching sport is naive anymore. I actually think it's the reverse. I think most sports fans now think they're probably all at it. And actually, if we thought, oh, when Lance was bust or when various people were bust, that that was going to, you know, mark the end of doping. People have now realised it's just going to continue and it'll be more advanced. And ugh, I'm not going to get that exercised about it. That's my read on a lot of sports fans. Akin to, I used the example in NFL where somebody suspended for 
um, taking an illegal drug. And, you know, it's listed as missing in action along with uh, Arthur, who's damaged his knee, and Mick, who's done his ankle. Joe's been done for HGH. He'll be back in six weeks. <laughs> Again. But that's, Again. That, that's, yeah. what, that's what is happening in the NFL. So at the moment, um, DeAndre Hopkins would be one of the top five or six wide receivers in the NFL. Really, really important. Big, big player. Has been probably, probably slightly past his prime, right? Yeah. He is currently serving a six-match um, uh, PD ban, right? It is, I, I listened, as I do, kind of like, you know, this time of year, early in the season, for the last month, month and a half, previews, division previews, really, really in-depth NFL stuff. And the way his team, the Arizona Cardinals, are being talked about is like, you know, they don't have, they don't have Hopkins for the first six weeks or, you know, and then like Hopkins is back. It's, it's 100% it's not, we have been a drug treated problem. like an injury. Yeah. It's, uh, without a doubt, it's been treated like an injury. He'll be back week seven and there won't be shame on his name. There won't be any comment whatsoever. Now, that wasn't always the case. Right. But it's, it's just, it's, it's gradually got like that because it's so prevalent. And they've just decided to stop caring. I, I don't hear any media criticism. Yeah. Uh, now they have. There's a few little caveats there. In, for example, the deal that the um, players' union have with the NFL in terms of drug banning is the players' union have a lot of say in all of the way these things work. And one of them is that you don't announce what the person is guilty for. So these people go on interviews and say, "Oh, I, okay. I took a lemsip," or you know, there's usually. There's, there's, I can't remember. There's a specific drug, okay. Adderall, I think it is, that they all say that they've taken. Yeah, and okay. So they, they give a softer to, version, you know. Maybe. But again, it's, people stop caring. I still think in Ireland, if uh, you know a, a beloved sports person was to test positive, there'd be a, a stigma for sure. But I just, I don't know, Arthur. At large, I sort of feel like the sports audience isn't as exercised as they were when it was. My God, Lance Armstrong, he died. He took drugs. He, the most evil man alive. I wonder though, with that particularly, was that not as much? about the way he treated people in his thing of doing it. Yeah, well, to be fair, he was the perfect villain. Like he was very dynamic. No, he, he would prompt an emotional <laughs> response, uh, for but sure. I think you're spot on with the thing in Ireland. Like, I know, you're never not going to verge into it, but like, there are... We won't verge into it. Okay. But do you think, at, at large, do you think people are as exercised by just the, the, the thought of doping happening at top-level sport? No, probably not. Probably, again, if it was dependent on... If you had a certain... Uh, because a lot of it depends on what happens in the after effect in, insofar as like the punishment. So if, say, for whatever, if X huge sports person is found guilty and then they have a huge detrimental thing where, you know, titles, whatever else are retrospectively taken from them. Yeah. That, I think, becomes a bigger... It's very damaging to the sport. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But if they if the sport says, well, there's a two-month ban, yeah. then yeah. it's like, well, it's, we're not going to get worse. Team sport is so tribal as well. I think people don't yeah, want it on their yeah. doorstep and they won't they won't ultimately give up their teams and I don't know I, I just find it amazing that again sorry I don't mean to I understand your question and I completely I agree, I agree with you I don't think there's as much interest there but I think we also haven't had a big juicy doping scandal in a while True. and I think if that came back around I think people would be interested but just on a separate point it's like how the organisations in contact slash combat sports seem to be in some ways the most lax about it when it is the most crucial mm. that it's tackled you know like MMA boxing yeah uh, NFL we're just talking about it here you know and obviously rugby the safety you know, issue it's like my god these are the things that like whatever like, do we all ultimately care what somebody's taking if they're cycling a, a bike up a mountain mm. yeah, you know nice. what I mean it's, it's un- danger for them but you're not hurting anybody else directly. It is kind of strange. You think people like um, Canelo, Fury, yes. Brock Lesnar in MMA, 
Like, like Lesnar basically served his drug ban, went off and wrestled for a little while, and then came back in, got mm. tested again, and fought for a world title. And barely missed what it would have been. Like, he barely missed the fight window. Yeah. Mm. You're only fighting once or twice a year anyway. Mm. And it's no blemish on the record whatsoever. Nobody speaks about when Canelo was fighting Triple G last weekend. No, no. Canelo, that, that was it. When Canelo got banned, there was a, oh, hold on, like, Jesus, this guy. And he's come back, and look, I mean, he is the class pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. And... You know, everybody, he's a hero to everybody. Now, nobody, even like, you know, the people who take this stuff very seriously, nobody is talking about Canelo as an issue. Yeah. Whatsoever, you know? Got bad, banned. Bad meat. Got banned for six months because, because of bad laws. Yeah. You know, he's just have been banned for more. Mm. Bad meat. Mm? Bad meat. <laughs> yeah. He was a banned meat. He was a uh, contaminated meat I merchant, was he? I think that was. I uh, think so. Yeah. <laughs> contaminated bad meat. Bad burrito. Sounds like a good band name. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the um, the kind of personification of the, the dystopian future for it all is our current attitude to the 100 metres final that people would have, which is massive, massive scepticism. And Asher will watch it anyway. Like that's, that is the real nadir for sport. But it's nowhere near the same popularity as it had in the past. Do you not think? 100 metres, no. But that, there's loads of different reasons for that. The coverage yeah. of I athletics, don't think that's a joke the fact that the Olympics yeah, isn't yeah. it. I think it's a little bit. I think it's a factor. Oh, do you? But yeah. I don't think, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's the determining one. I think there are other issues that, that have brought down the importance of the Olympics in general. Yeah, right. it's very hard to kind of, you can't obviously, I know speculate on name, you can't do anything. I know, <laughs> appreciate, you can't, I appreciate Whoa, that. Back up, We're talking back specifically up. about the Olympic 100 metres. Yeah. And the most prominent thing has... Well, know, we did a piece on the winner. The of course, Olympic but I mean, games. prior to that, the most prominent uh, one of the most prominent athletes of the 21st century, to my yeah, knowledge, yeah. has no, there's no suspicion, suspicion, stigma, anything around him. No. Um, so, I mean, I don't know then what, uh, how would that, I, I, but by the same token, he's one of the most famous people in the world, without a question, shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I just mean in terms of the coverage, like I don't know if it's mm. not, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it, if it has descended or in importance. There might be, and I think, is this ultimately the, I haven't read the piece, but is this ultimately Cottle's point in his piece? Is like, is like, athletics get a bad rap? Because ultimately there is an issue and some people have been done and, and maybe at some times in history are worse than others. But, you know, ultimately we focus on a lot of, you know, runners and just assume. Like there was, a, there was assumptions made about somebody very, very recently based on nothing, I would say. You know, and I, I find that stuff yeah. very uncomfortable because, you know, if there's breadcrumbs there and it can't be proven, I do understand an issue but when there's none at all and you're just making assumptions because you want to assume you know you're just like looking at someone oh someone got a little bit fat they've they've run, run a personal best at a world championships or a, you know at a european championships and wow a, and often that's what i taken into account the fact that equipment has improved speeds for athletes over the last two years because the new shoes they're wearing you look at potentially someone who's on a particularly fast circuit it might have to do with the wind on the night as well like there's so many variables that go beyond that i think you have to have all your ducks in a row if you're going to make an accusation about something well of like course that. yeah, and, yeah. For, and maybe central to to Cahill's point is that people are just willing to throw out accusations about cyclists and athletes where they probably wouldn't do that about other sports true uh just a final thought very quickly so do we have time we've about two minutes oh then we don't have time really I'll read the email because in fairness it came in from Tony who took the trouble. I'll talk about it next week. Uh, yeah. So well, this will follow next week actually, yeah. So, uh, well lads, a thought on my relationship with the Irish team. I'm a Premier League Champions League watcher in brackets on RT2 on Wednesday. Uh, one of the great contradictions. <laughs> <laughs> one of the great. more worried about Virgin Media on Wednesday. Well, indeed, well that, that goes without saying. <laughs> that goes without saying. 
Uh, one of the great contradictions in my footballing fandom, Ireland are the team I care about the most by a distance, but I don't see most of them for months on end. First I heard Jason Knight is playing wing back uh, was this morning. Uh, means I approach International Week struggling to remember the likely starting eleven or who should start based on recent form. God bless Nathan Collins and Campazuno at the weekend. Not their finest moments, but at least I saw them, says Tony. I think that's very true for uh, for lots of people. Now, there was a text in to say you can get really, really good highlights, 15-minute version highlights that Sky do of every championship yeah. match. But I, look, I don't think on highlights do you have a strong sense of how Robbie Brady is playing. Or like pre the 90s, McClain. did anyone know? Like See, they were on the top then. flight, though. You'd yeah, see them a match of the day. OK, but that's still just highlights back in show. Well, I guess it is. Yeah, no, true, 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 true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, e- it's easier to follow them now. Like you could follow something like Kenny's Kids on Twitter and literally see who's playing, who's not playing, who's in squads. It all depends how deep you want to go in as a Republic of Ireland supporter. It, that doesn't give you an opinion as to Robbie Brady or James McLean at left wing back mm. on Saturday. Not something that a, a lot of Irish fans could have a strong debate on because they're not seeing them that often. Yeah, you're probably not going to watch Preston too often with the way they're playing currently. No. I would argue people could watch the championship. It's on TV all the time and it's a, it's a, a great league. Unlike, it's like on Quest or some channel. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, it's yeah, down well, there. It's you only have so but, many but, but it's a good league. You know what I mean? It's like if, if, so if, all, the Premier league. if all our Irish players were playing in the Serie A, in Serie A or whatever, we'd be suggesting people watch that. Like, are we, Or even the Belgian league. It's it's a better league than that, like, you know? Yeah. Which Anderlecht did you watch? I know you're watching a bit of Burnley. I didn't, but I've seen Burnley a couple of times. Exactly. Well, look, in fairness, <laughs> I had, my Josh team, my team was Josh Cullen obviously doing? in the championship and it was the be- it's uh, it's so much fun. When How's Josh Cullen doing? Josh Cullen in the two Burnley games I've seen this season has been the best player on the pitch. Yeah, you see, that's and I mean it. That's He's been absolutely brilliant. You have no There's way a, of going back at him. He could be he could be talking nonsense. Okay, the first game of the season it was well reported that he was I very, saw their Friday game. He was man the match in the first game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there and you I, go. Okay. I seen him in one other game. Well, but there's in a fairness, to Tony. Robbie Brady like, has been man the match in many occasions. I know we're not seeing them all the time if you don't like Preston were on TV I think once. There's good there's games on all the time. If you're what well, to Tony's specific point, I know you're saying like the Premier League's good and we watch the Premier League but if he's saying Ireland are the team that I care about the most I don't see them there's as much opportunity to see championship games as there is almost any other league okay so you you're know? not you're not having Tony I'm not no I'm just giving him a bit of advice watch the good <laughs> games <laughs> I've seen Jeff Hendrick play twice this season and he hasn't played for Ireland yet that's frankly too many times yeah nothing to do with like then I shouldn't be watching Reading not Jeff Hendrick there of course you know mm. And have you seen Jason Knight for Derby in League I One? I haven't now. League One is there, a step no, too far. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Playing right back. <laughs> right wing back, is he not? No. I thought it was back right wing four. back. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. According to, according to me checking it on Live Score every week. Anyway. Which is completely uh, useless. I don't work for Live Score, by the way. Sorry. Live <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust Live Score formations. This is a flat score house. Yeah, you can't trust live score formations. I've been done so many times on air. Well, they used to always have Derby at four at the back, so I'd imagine they'd have changed it. This is the problem. I've heard quite a few right wing back. Dan okay, is in. Okay. Dan now. He was at midfield apparently at the weekend, but otherwise I think it's right wing back. But I, that's, that's the point. That, that's kind of no, the that, And very fair. Yeah, yeah. In fairness I, ho- I hope Stephen Kenny isn't taking that too seriously. <laughs> Everyone knows our right wing back is Alan Brown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are pretty much out of time, I would think. Arthur, thank you very much. Cheers, Joe. Mick, thank you. Will, thank you very much. Cheers, lads. Uh, a slight tangent at offtheball.com. Do get involved and we'll get to uh, your many, many emails over the coming weeks. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, was a, this was far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. 
Can I also say one more thing on this? Okay. But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. This is refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. We keep them inside. They'll fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, Do you know on. what? Oh, yeah. I'd actually debate that with you. <laughs> it is an interesting... Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's make that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score.